how have you dealt with burnout and what advice can you give others? You have got to rest. And I wasn't resting and I was still very sick and I am so weak and having really bad migraines. And I forced myself to get in the bed and the resistance that came up to making myself rest. It was almost a painful experience. I was like, I'm obviously so burnt out. I just put my head through a wall and I'm resisting the act of taking care of myself. Rain Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Unleash Your Supernova, bridging the gap between creativity and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Nova Lorraine, and founder of Rain Magazine. Join me as I interview the globe's gutsiest rising stars in fashion, culture, and technology to learn tips, hacks, and words of wisdom to help you unleash your superpowers. I am so excited to have our guest today, Nikki Deloche. She is a supermom, she is a producer, an actor, and entrepreneur. She got her start at the age of 12 on the infamous show, The Mickey Mouse Club. I'm sure all of you remember Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, just to name a few. And these are some of her co-stars on this very popular series. Nikki also went on to star opposite Mark Wahlberg in the feature film, The Traveler, and also appearing in roles on some of our most popular TV shows, including Mad Men, CSI, Lockword. And today is very busy with the Hallmark Channel with projects that she's executive produced, as well as many that she starred in. Welcome, Nikki. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am really, really thrilled to share your story with our listeners today. So thank you for taking the time. I know you're really busy and I'm looking forward to delving into not just your entertainment career, but also some of your entrepreneurial pursuits. But before we get into that, one of the things that intrigued me with a response that you shared with us in our print edition of Rain Magazine was to the question, knowing what you know now, what advice would you have given yourself five years ago? And you had mentioned an experience that you went through with your son, and I would love for you to share that. Oh, yes. So my youngest son, Bennett, he is a heart baby. And what that means is when I was pregnant with him, we found out that he was going to be born with multiple life-threatening heart defects. And without immediate intervention, he would not survive. And also the immediate intervention that had to happen This specific surgery was a very complicated one, and there had been a lot of struggles that they had had with it. So even with the surgery, we just didn't know, even with surgery, if he would make it, if he would make it through surgery, if he would make it after surgery. It was a really, really intense situation, to say the least. And going through everything I have with Bennett, I talk about this all the time, actually, because If we had the foresight, you know, we become adults and life gets real, like really fast. Do you know what I mean? And all we're doing as kids when we get to a certain age is we're wanting to just grow up and grow up and grow up. And I wish we could just infuse some of that wisdom into our younger selves of like, no, this is the time that you just take in everything. Just be a kid because at some point in time, you're going to grow up and life is going to happen and it's going to get tough. I talk about it all the time with my mommy friends who also have children when we watch them play. 
But there's so many things that I could go back and tell my younger self. Like one is it's not that big of a deal. It's really not. You know, once you have been through a life and death situation, once you've been to the show, my mentor always says, you know, once you've been to the show and by that, I don't mean like a musical performance. I mean the life or death show. You are forever changed. You can't unknow what you now know, which is life is so precious and it is so fragile. And every single second matters. Every moment of your life matters because you just never know. You never, ever, ever know. And I wish I could go back to myself five years ago and say all of this stuff that you're stressing about and all of this stuff that you think is such a big deal, it's not a big deal. You know, are your kids healthy? Are you healthy? Are your loved ones healthy? Like that's really... That's really what it comes down to. And absolutely, sure, there are times where we can't make rent or we don't know how we're going to put clothes or food in our mouths. And I've been there too. And that also, by the way, is a life or death situation. Those are all like very intense, critical things. But most of the things that we worry about on a daily basis as human beings or we stress about or give ourselves anxiety over are not. They're just not. Those are some excellent points you bring up. And, you know, I, constantly remind myself and others when I get the chance, just waking up is a blessing. You know, everything else is a bonus. As you were sharing your story with your son, it reminded me of a time where my youngest was two and diagnosed with a very rare autoimmune disease. On the last possible day to ensure his survival, watching a child as a mother sort of on the way of losing their life in front of you was a very, very, very intense and unforgettable experience for me. And I'm just so grateful that the timing worked out in our favor and people get him seen. And it also is the highest cause of heart disease in children, as rare as it is. So here's a two-year-old that after leaving the hospital, we have to care for as a heart patient. Yeah. Thank He's 100% healthy, thank the Lord. But I agree, when you come to those or go through those times and and experiences, it really puts everything else into perspective. It really does. And I'm so sorry you had to go through that. I'm just grateful that we got through it okay. And and that's really what I focus on. He's such a joy. And touching on one of the points in your response that you shared in the magazine, you mentioned, you know, most people, when they think about acting, they think about the gland, the red carpet the camera, the glitz. But at the end of the day, it's just a job. Yeah, it's just a job. It is literally just a job. And it's a great job. It's a really wonderful job, but it's just a job. And I think I spent the majority of my life thinking that it was my purpose to be an entertainer. And then I realized, actually, it wasn't an experience. I, I love this quote that intelligence is when you learn from your own mistakes and wisdom is when you learn from someone else's. I think that can be applied so many other ways besides just, you know, learning from people's mistakes. It could be also learning from someone's difficult situation and carrying the wisdom from that, which is why I share so much of my life with people because I'm like, listen, learn from this, please, and please apply it to your own life so that you don't have to go through this, or maybe you will never have to go through this, but you can still apply it. My brother, he ended up getting a scholarship to play baseball at UGA, University of Georgia. 
And he got on this team with this great group of guys. They're all still best friends. Some of them have gone to the pros, but there was two kids in their freshman year that both got paralyzed. And one of them was my brother's roommate and one of his best friends. And baseball was his life. It was quote unquote, his purpose. And it got stripped from him because he's now paralyzed from the waist down. And I thought a lot about that. Like that doesn't mean his per, and this was years ago when it happened, but this is what started triggering the thoughts in my head of, wait a second, our purpose is not what we do in terms of our job. Just because he can't play baseball doesn't mean that he doesn't have purpose anymore. If I don't act again, or somehow, you know, nobody says yes to me again, and I don't get myself back on a set, my purpose is not gone. My purpose is deeper and bigger than all of that. Now, our jobs are a way for us to infuse our purpose into our lives, bring our purpose to set and use our platform to speak to people and to help people, to listen to people 100%. But our purpose is way, way deeper than our job title. I'm smiling. You can't smiling because it's so well stated. And I want everyone to really just, I want that to sink in because we attach our identity yes. so much to quote unquote, uh, title that we have at that moment in time, the role we're playing at that moment in time and role, not necessarily on stage, but in life. And you're so, so right when you say your purpose is so much greater than that and how you choose to do it. For some, it's through their job. That's just the mechanism. That's just a channel to share and activate that purpose. Yeah. And it's not the end all be all. And I think by understanding that, it will help a lot of us navigate those pivots in our life, those big life changes, those really, really deep ups and yeah. downs. Because if it's so attached to that one thing, I was an athlete. Same, yeah. You know, in high school and college, I get it. If everything was tied to that one activity, that's devastating. We do go from there. Or if you are a rising star in, you know, corporate America or wherever you are in the world, and your identity and your purpose is tied to that job. And all of a sudden, it just doesn't feel right anymore. And you do something else. And that creates a lot of trouble for people. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I feel very passionate about this because I teach a lot. I, I teach actors. I've been doing it for about 10 years now. And my classes are equal parts acting, equal parts growing the human. And the reason why is because you grow the human, you grow the artist, hands down. But also I teach a lot about finding joy outside of acting. What else brings you joy? What else could you do in your life that you're interested in, that makes you happy, that you can take your purpose and put that in? And the reason why is because when your identity becomes this one thing that you do, I'm an actor and, I, and that's my identity then what happens when you don't get to do it, which is 95% of the time? There's 5% of actors that make a living being an actor that they don't have to have a second job. Are you really going to struggle your way and white knuckle your way through this whole experience, which is what I did through half of it, when you don't get hired or you don't get callbacks or whatever it may be, you're going to white knuckle your way through this entire experience because all of your eggs are in the basket of being an actor. 
No, you're wasting the moments of your life. Find other things that fill you up and do those other things when the acting basket is really not moving forward. And that way you can go into a room and you can audition and you can throw your sides out on the way out and be like, well, I did that. I'm done with that. And just not think about it anymore. If it comes back around, fantastic. But chances are it won't because (laughs) there's this one acting coach out here who I don't teach this way, but I do love this part of what he does, which is he stands in front of his kids and he's like, you're not going to get the job. You're not. You're not getting the job. So just get that out of your head right now. 99% chance you are not getting this job. 500 people are going to audition. You're one person. What do you believe those chances are? You're right. A 1% chance that you're going to get this. So get that out of your head as it is. And, And if you can manage to let go of all of those things that we attach to our experiences, outcome, expectations, all of that. And by the way, I'm a work in progress. I do. I still have to do this and have to consciously like let go of the outcome and let go of my expectations. But that's just the thing. It's like you can practice it as soon as you're aware of it. You just have to become aware of it first. And therefore, I can just let the moment go and be like, I had such a blast in that room for that five or 10 minutes or whatever it was. I had such a good time and let it just be what it is. And then whatever happens after that happens, but I'm not attached to it. So it's not going to ruin my life for a day or a week if that thing doesn't happen. So I feel like these are all little skill set things that we were never taught as kids, you know, to do these things. I think the next generation will be because there's a lot of us now that are starting to talk about this stuff. And I love it. I think it's just really going to be a game changer for our society. (laughs) I know. Well, he's not my coach, but he is a coach in LA who really that's how he talks to his kids. And I actually, you know, I I appreciated it because what he's trying to get them to do is to let go of the expectation. And sometimes you have to have a little bit of tough love (laughs) with people, especially when they're holding on so tight. Sometimes you have to have a little tough love with that. So I did appreciate his tactic. (laughs) I know I appreciate hearing that too. That definitely resonates with me. And as you mentioned, being a work in progress, same here. I think just because we are however many years into this journey of life and figured out some hacks doesn't mean that we can't go back to, you know, these words of wisdom and apply it each and every day. Because it is, I feel it is a daily effort to stay present, to not take these things personal, to let go, to not be committed to the outcome or what have you and let that, you know, be the base for you to yourself. But also what I, what I think is interesting is that you teach, you know, not all actors or performers teach their craft. And you mentioned that in the interview with the magazine that you became a better artist. Ah, uh, yes. So I think the reason why that is, is because we have this resistance as artists I've heard this a thousand times, those who can't do teach. And I'm like, well, who came up with that? Who was the decider of that phrase? That doesn't make any sense because I feel like the best teachers that I've had are teachers that have also done the work or who are in practice. 
And sure, there are teachers that never really acted. They just found this, like started Warner Laughlin Studios. You know, she acted earlier in her life. And then, you know, she had a kid and she decided like, I just don't want that, but I love acting and I love doing this. But there's the stigma attached to becoming a teacher if you're also an artist, that you've somehow given up on your pursuit or your dream or your this, which I just don't understand. It's actually one helps the other. One gives to the other. If you have that in you, believe me, not everybody should become teachers. You know, if it's not in you to do that, if there's no interest, please don't because you definitely have to care. You have to love it so much that the output is equivalent to the love that you have for the job, meaning I love teaching, therefore I am okay with putting all this output out there because you are giving the whole time, whether it's a four-hour class or a one-hour coaching, you're giving, you're giving, you're giving, you're doing a lot of output and not a lot of inputting. So it can drain you. So you really have to have the passion and the love for it. But it made me a better actor because I, in five minutes that I see a scene, my students will put something up. And in five minutes that they're doing that scene, I have to stay present and watch what they're doing. I also have to be able to tweak. I have to know where their homework shows up, where it didn't show up, where they didn't make a, a, a decision about an inner monologue in a moment. So they really weren't present in the scene or maybe they weren't in their body. Whatever it is, you have to, you have those few minutes to assess and then respond back so that you can help. And that muscle that you have to work in order to do that, it showed up in my own work as an actor in such huge ways. It made my ability to make choices faster, more effective, bigger choices. You know, here I am, I'm saying to my students, go big or go home, go in and be memorable. Do you be unique. You have to practice what you preach. So if I'm telling my students to go in to do this, I better be going into rooms and I better be doing the same thing. It really showed up in such big ways. And I know you also spoke to my dear friend, Lisa Drew. And she also, you know, we talked a lot about this for a while, about the teaching aspect. And she recently opened up her own studio in Vancouver. And I was so proud of her because it's that same thing. You know, we had the conversation of, oh, if I'm, if I'm teaching, are people not going to take me as serious as an actor? And I'm like, who cares? Who cares? And who are these people? You do you and you do the thing that is making you happy and that is driving you and bringing you joy. And those people that are on the outside that you think are judging you, they're going to look over in your direction and be like, oh, what is she doing over there? Not only is she teaching, but she's a better actor. She's also on set. She's doing all of this stuff. Like, oh, that's interesting. So be you. And she doesn't. Now she has this thriving acting studio in Vancouver. She's, she's such a little, she's just such a spitfire, Lisa, and such a good role model for other girls. Wonderful. Well, you know, one of the things that I picked up in your answer was the words giving, 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 and how much output you have to be ready, you know, to put out there. Well, first of all, being a mom, being an actor, being a producer, (laughs) being a teacher, I'm sure burnout has creeped up along the way. And how have you dealt with burnout? And what advice can you give others in terms of dealing with their own form of burnout? This is an amazing question 
because first of all, women are amazing. We are superhuman. We are the leaders. I don't know where it got twisted in our society. Women used to run things. And then slowly by slowly, little by little, all of that was taken away from us. You know, there are places in the world where women are queens and they were put on pedestals and women used to lead armies. And we are so strong and so incredible and we do so many things. And how we don't have a parade thrown for us (laughs) every single day is beyond me, but we're not there yet. Maybe you and I, Nova, can start the, the women rule parade. But burnout is a really real thing. So this is actually, it's funny that you brought it up because this is where I'm sitting right now. About six weeks ago, I would say my head went through a wall in our house and I got a severe concussion and I was burning the candle at both ends and being a mommy and working my 14 jobs. And I'm also, you know, a spokesperson for Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. And I'm on the board there and I'm a spokesperson for Alzheimer's Association and a hundred committees at my son's school and all of these things. And I went to pick up, I was playing on the ground with my kids and they had the magnetiles and I went to pick up my two-year-old to put him to bed. And I had these bedroom slippers on and somehow both feet landed on top of magnetiles. And when I went to lift up, I like a rocket shot forward and I turned at the last second to protect Benny because both of my hands were holding him knowing that I couldn't brace my fault and my head went straight through our wall and full on hole in our wall. Knocked me out. It was a really scary, I've never been scared for my own health because I knock on wood, I've been relatively healthy my whole life. It was the first time that I've had something happen to me. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, I broke my foot or whatever, but like this was very scary. And for weeks after, I was very much affected. And it made me because I had to go get in bed. I was so nauseous. And I was, and my doctor kept saying, like, concussions are no joke. You have got to rest. And I wasn't resting. And I was still very sick and I am so weak and having really bad migraines. And he's like, get in the bed. And I forced myself to get in the bed and the resistance that came up to making myself rest for one day, just one day, it was almost a painful experience. And I was like, whoa, I have a lot of work to do in this area when it comes to self-care and burnout. I was like, I'm obviously so burnt out. My patience has worn thin. I just put my head through a wall and I'm resisting the act of taking care of myself. You know what? That's such a uh, point that we need to emphasize, especially with women. And I think it's almost amplified as a creative because to exist, at least for me, I need to be creating something. And, you know, as a mom, I'm very committed to my children and my family. And then, of course, we have our pursuits, maybe our personal or professional pursuits. And there is this, you know, there is this thing about you have to do it all, balance it all, and balance it perfectly with a smile. Nothing going on over here. Everything's fine over here. I'm not dying. No one's dying except you're dying. And you're so right. And so the way that I'm dealing with it, I'm really making a conscious effort to say no to things. And it's hard because 
most everything that somebody comes to me with, I want to do. I just want to. And so I'm having to make a conscious effort to say no. Or the other thing is, you know what? I cannot do that this week or even next week, but I can do it the following week if that's possible for you. And if they can't, then they can't and it's done. But really drawing very, very clear boundaries about your time. And also the other thing I used to do is my workouts or the time that I would give myself was the first thing that I gave away. It was the first thing I gave away. And so now when I'm scheduling my calendar, I schedule me first. So I schedule my workouts. I schedule my time for meditation or my time to, if I need to organize, you know, the kids stuff. So I'm not trying to do that while also working. If I need time for all of those things, I'm being very honest about what I need time for. And I'm inputting it into my calendar on Sunday first. And then I schedule my kids on top of that, what they have to do. And then I schedule work on top of that. And the calendar's full. It's just full. And I allow myself time in between things. Like today I have, you know, six different things, including our podcast, you know, talking to you. And I have given myself 30 minutes to an hour between everything that I have scheduled so that I can get other things done personally, so I can make that transition, so I can breathe, so I can have that time. I'm being very conscientious about it and it's really hard, but that's one hack that I'm doing is just scheduling myself first and then everyone else. I love, 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 love that. So (laughs) I have to put that down because it's- Schedule me first. Schedule me first. And whoever is listening today, please write that down as well. Because I do think, you know, may it be your woman or or not, in today's society, we tend to be overscheduled and we tend to overbill our children for those of us that are parents. And I think, you know, as mentioned, our time is so, so precious. And just because we can do it doesn't mean we have to do it. And if we are not well, not just physically, and I'm sorry to hear about you know, the recent fall and concussion. I hope you're feeling better. Physically, it's going to affect our mental health. And we cannot put out our best work. We cannot put our best selves if we're not taking care of all of that. So I love that. My new motto, schedule me first. And I'm a parent, so then I'm going to follow your formula, kids, and then work. And I take away my time first. And, you know, having boundaries and saying no And I love the compromise that you said, okay, not this week, not next week, but the week after. I love that compromise, you know, for those of us that are having a hard time saying no or are really creative and want to be involved in everything, but you don't have to do it all at once. So, so, so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I am so grateful that we had a chance to chat. And before we jump off, I want to touch on your entrepreneurial endeavor, what we are. Can you quickly share with us? Yes, I can. So what we are is basically an online community, women supporting other women. Not that men can't be involved. Believe me, we need them. We need them. But we as women have to get strong together. We got to figure out what we need. We have to figure out where our boundaries are. We have to do all of those things. And then we take it out to the men, you know, (laughs) or if we have really evolved men, we can bring them in the process in the beginning. But this is for us. 
And this is an online community where we share women's stories. And we believe that vulnerability is your superpower, whereas most of us have been raised to believe that vulnerability is a weakness. And we believe that it is the thing that unlocks everything. It is our greatest strength. It is the way that we feel into our lives. And it is the way in which we own our own stories. So we, you know, both my partner, Jen, Didi, and I have shared our stories and our journeys of our lives and what we've gone through. She's battled infertility for 10 years and just lost her brother this year to brain cancer. I've gone through what I have with severe postpartum depression, my youngest son's heart surgery. And then now my dad, you know, we're losing my dad to dementia and he's 65. And this is life. This stuff is happening. And it's not just us. It's happening to people everywhere. And what Jen and I really, through our friendship, we started in this place where we wanted to just peel the layers, the layers that we had put on around ourselves because, you know, society told us to be a a certain way. Our moms told us we had to be a certain way, or we felt we had to be a certain way. Or we got hurt and we put on a layer of protection, whatever that is. We all put on these layers a lot of the time instead of taking them away, stripping them from us so we could really figure out the most authentic version of who we are and learn to love that person unconditionally. That's the key to everything. And so we write a lot about that. We bring our friends in so that they could write a lot about that, so that they could share their stories. Nova, I would love for you to contribute a piece to us. We would be honored to have you write something for our blog. I would love that. And we share that person. And on social media, we highlight this woman that we've come to know and her piece and her blog and what she's doing in her life. And if there's anything entrepreneurial that she's doing, we blast it from the rooftops, follow her, go get involved in this thing that she's doing. And so it's about sharing stories. It's about becoming vulnerable and realizing that that's a strength and it's about supporting other women. Oh, wow. Amazing, amazing, amazing. What we are, please check them out. Check out the community. Yes. If you know anyone that has a story to share or contribute, please reach out. We can support each other and empower each other. The more powerful we become. And to your point, it's not just about women. I have two sons. I have a husband. But as individuals, we have to mention, peel those onion layers and really get to our true authentic selves. And that way we can just, you know, be more powerful and, and give and share that power with the world. Thank you so much for that and the What We Are project and the inspiring words to our listeners and for taking the time. I know you're super busy. I'm really, really appreciative of that. Thank you, listeners, for joining us on another episode of Unleash Your Supernova. Be sure to visit rainmagazine.com to stay up to date on our newest releases. As you know, we have a new show every other week. It comes out first thing on Thursday morning. And be sure to like, subscribe, and don't forget to turn on that notification bell. Nikki, thank you again. All the best on your upcoming projects and looking forward to staying in touch. Oh, thank you so much. This was absolutely lovely. And I cannot wait to have you on What We Are. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Nova. Until next time.